As a strong, independent mother, there is nothing that will get in the way of your child's safety. Soberlink understands the importance of peace of mind when it comes to co-parenting after a divorce. Using the highest quality technology and with features like facial recognition and real-time results, moms like you are empowered with proof that your child is safe. Navigating life post-divorce can be difficult, and having a tool like Soberlink allows for one less thing to stress about. I created this community to provide support for divorced moms like me, which is why I partnered with Soberlink to create this resource, Tips for Single Moms Returning to Work. To access the guide, visit www.soberlink.com forward slash MMO. This week on Moms Moving On. Part of my message now to women is, you know, life is really, really messy. It's not always going to turn out how we planned. And in fact, you shouldn't expect it to. Like, let's just take all of those expectations and just throw them out the window because it's not going to turn out, turn out how you thought it was. And it's like, okay, so now that this happened, what am I going to do about it? Mm-hmm. My main mission in life is for my children to be happy. In order for my children to be happy, I know that I need to be happy. Life moves on, so why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another Moms Moving On. I'm so happy you're here today because today is all about inspiration. I think we can all use a little kick in the pants when it comes to seeing the positive side of life after pain. And that's why I invited Rachel Braunschweiger on today. She is the beauty and brains behind Guts and Gloss on Instagram. And when I found her, I said to myself, wow, here's somebody who's been through a lot, who's still smiling and who has found her happily ever after. Rachel, it's so nice to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I love following you as well on Instagram. So I'm super honored to be here. And I'm really more honored to get to share my story with all of your followers. Thank you. And and so a couple of months ago, we had Bobby Thomas on. I don't know if you know who she is from NBC. I do. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know her story. She lost her husband and to illness and is mourning and she has a son. And we talked all about single motherhood um, Mm -hmm. and transitioning into that lifestyle after becoming a widow. So many of our followers are not in that situation. They are fighting through the pain of having lost their marriage for other reasons. But I think the message is the same. I think when you go through something as traumatic as you went through, which we'll get into, you have two choices after, and that's to sit in pity for yourself and say, why me? Or to look forward and say, what now? And you very clearly said, what now? So why don't you give everybody your background so so we can have some context? Sure. Sure. So when I was about 34 years old, my husband at the time, Jordan, was diagnosed very quickly, almost overnight with stage four pancreatic cancer. And I had my youngest daughter, we have two daughters, and my daughter Leah is now 11. 
um, my daughter, Simone at the time was, she was in diapers. She was two years old. So from the time that she was two until five years later, Jordan had cancer. And for me, as a, I, what was so difficult for me was I had very few people to connect with and relate to. So being a 34 year old caregiver to your husband is yeah. not something that's very common. Right. Um, it was around that time I decided to go ahead and start my blog, Guts and Gloss, because I wanted women who were in a similar situation to me to not feel so alienated. And that was how I felt. My friends couldn't understand how I felt. My mother couldn't understand how I felt. Unless you're really walking in someone's shoes, you have no idea what they're experiencing. And mm -hmm. I just felt like I had so few people to connect with and talk about. So I said, okay, I want to connect with other women and I don't want people to feel so alone in this situation. So I started my blog for the next five years. My main focus in life was to keep Jordan alive. I stopped thinking about myself. I stopped really, I functioned to keep him living. I didn't listen to Bobby, to your interview with Bobby, but, and I don't know how long her husband was sick for, but five years is a long time. So from the age of 34 till 39, I was caring for him. There were awesome ups and there were really low lows. I would say, that those five years are characterized by a lot of hospital visits, a lot of calling 911, asking people for help, needing my kids to stay somewhere. We traveled around the world to try to get him better. And that was my mission. I completely right. lost myself in that. I was so determined to keep him alive. Mm -hmm. And after five years, he lost a very, very, very long battle. Um, a really long battle for somebody at stage four with pancreatic cancer. A lot Amazing. Of pain. All that effort you put into his well-being, I'm sure had an impact. Yeah. And I always say to my daughters, you know, they still get sad, but I say we had so much more time with dad than most people get. I mean, five years, he really got to enjoy them while he was alive. And I know that I played a huge role in that. And I know that I did everything that I could to, to really support Jordan and give him the best life that I possibly could. And for my kids to have that time with him that they needed. Mm -hmm. So, um, once he, you know, there, I think there's also this concept that we don't talk about, which is this anticipatory grief. There yes. were so many times I'm so that we had to take him. <laughs> there were so many times that I had to take him to the hospital and I did not know if he was going to come home. There were so many situations and times that he was gone in my mind before he actually like physically left us. And I just think that a lot of people don't understand what a caregiver, a spouse caregiver, what they go through when they're caring for somebody with a stage, you know, with a, a very long-term illness like that. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, when Jordan passed away physically, there were so many things that were already gone 
before he was actually gone, if that makes sense. I get it. I mean, I watched this with my mom and my stepdad who lived three years fighting his cancer battle. But I I saw from my mom what actually left before he left. I know what you're I know what you mean, because she also was in that caretaker mode. And it was like by the time he did pass away, there was so much mourning and grieving that had already happened that I think people don't understand that you're doing that as a means to protect yourself before the actual passing of the person. Absolutely. So I had gone through so much of that already. And when he passed away, I mean, I did, I felt, I felt like my life was over too. As much as I started guts and gloss and I had this persona of like strong woman, strong wife, I have it all together. I didn't, I had was really putting on a show for those five years trying to be strong for everybody else around me. And I needed to do that just so that I could keep my head above water. Like, let me show everybody how great I'm doing because maybe I'm going to really start to believe that. Right. And, you know, that was my coping mechanism. And that was, and that's okay. That's okay. Look, we all have like the things we need to do to get through every day. And if it was like faking it till you make it, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. And the girls, my two daughters are, you know, now it's like two and a half years later since we lost Jordan and they're doing so amazing. And part of my message now to women is, you know, life is really, really messy. It's not always going to turn out how we planned. And in fact, you shouldn't expect it to like, let's just take all of those expectations and just throw them out the window because it's not going to turn up, turn out how you thought it was. And it's like, okay, so now that this happened, what am I going to do about it? Mm -hmm. My main mission in life is for my children to be happy in order for my children to be happy. I know that I need to be happy. Mm -hmm. And it is. And I know you have a daughter and it's like, that is all I can I swear? I don't know. Yeah, I absolutely. Care. Welcome I don't, home, like, honey. That is all I fucking care about <laughs> is my kids' happiness. Like that is it. And I realized that going through those five years and I mean there's so much crying and so many tears and so much laughter and all of that. Like I did the best that I could and I know that I did a good job because these two kids are so well-adjusted. I mean, you have to understand what these kids went through. Like, absolutely, you, you know, like the, the, the vomiting, the, the, the sickness, the shaking, the, the chills, the nurses coming for infusions and all these things. And like, I kept it together and I know I did a great job. And so now it's like, okay, I feel like I have been given a second chance and a lot of people don't necessarily have a second chance. Mm-hmm. I have a second chance at, at having a happy life. I had a ha- yes, Jordan and I had a happy life, but for, for five years, I was 
really not happy. I mean, you were I just was functioning, right? I was functioning and I wasn't, there wasn't romance. There wasn't love. There, I mean, there was love, but it was different. There wasn't romance. There wasn't like that, you know, like when you're 35, 36 years old, like you're not supposed to be taking care of someone who's dying. Um, and I'm sure I might get a lot of hate for this. No, 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 no. Listen, what you started out saying at the beginning, you don't understand what somebody's going through or has been through unless you've lived it. I mean, I, I know women who have unfortunately lost their spouses young and, and it's always the same. You know, I've been a caretaker for years. I haven't had my needs met. And that doesn't mean the relationship was bad. That was just the nature of what was. So exactly. So you went through that and you somehow didn't die. Like that's, I mean, I think so many women's biggest fears, you know, you find the love of your life and then he's taken too soon. And yet you were brave enough to put yourself back out there. And that's, that's what I want to talk about, because I think there's such a powerful message in knowing that so many good things can end in pain, but you like, we're not, we're not ready to just like wave your white flag and be done with love. Like you were still out there ready for more. Yeah, I think, I mean, there were so many awakenings that I had, like once I could really like like live and let my guard down a little bit. Um, I think the first was just like my biggest theme for me about like living and loving after loss is Mm -hmm. a lot of people are going to have a lot of opinions. Oh yeah. (laughs) We can talk about that. (laughs) You know, everybody has to give their two cents on who you should be dating. If it's too soon for you to be dating. Um, you know, well, what are your kids going to think? What about your in-laws? What about this? It's like, when you think about the trauma that women go through, whether it's through divorce or whether it's through loss and taking care of someone, it's like, what about me? Mm-hmm. Why is nobody asking about me? When does, when do my needs matter? And yeah. That no, I, it's just that too soon. I mean, women hear it all the time when they start dating after divorce. So after death, you know, it's, it's very hard for somebody who's not in your shoes to understand the years leading up to it and, and the preparation mm-hmm. we go into as women to get ready for that day that we are alone. And, and, and yeah, I mean, the opinions are obnoxious. I write a whole chapter about that in my new book because it's like people come at you with their perspective of what they might do, having no context mm-hmm. into the situation at all. And it's, it's hard not all- to take it personal. It- it's ultimately like, it's all about their reflection of themselves. Mm-hmm. Like I love when people say like, oh, I can never imagine that happening. No, you couldn't imagine it happening because it didn't happen to you. And that's your way of saying, oh, I'm so happy it didn't happen to me. No, you couldn't imagine happening. So don't tell me what you would do. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just really want to be that in- inspiration for women who feel like when one door closes or one chapter closes, that I want them to know that there's something amazing waiting around the corner and there's going to be probably people that are not going to want them to go there. And that was really for me, what I had, I actually, I met my now husband, Adam. And yes. I, I want to hear all about that. I felt How did you deeply... meet? When did you meet? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So Adam is a health coach and he's also been a chef for the past 20 years. So he's 
very artistic and very soulful and very passionate. And he, his whole world, he loves helping people. He wants people to become healthy. And I think that it is so I, freaking ironic that I went from the sickest man in Boca Raton to the healthiest man in Boca Raton. And I was BH, saying that the BH, other day. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, and I said like the other day, how crazy is it that I ended up with someone, you know, he's like runs marathons and he's, you know, he's just so healthy. And my friend said, I don't think that that's ironic at all, Rachel. Like, of course you were going to end up with the healthiest man. Like, so I, he's a health coach. My sister went to him. He helped her lose, you know, 25 pounds. And I kept asking my sister questions about the program. And finally she said, you know, I, I feel like I can't keep asking him these questions. You just need to come to the appointment with me. And I went to the appointment I, I was like the worst I had ever, I, I did not, I was not done up like I am right now. I look like shit. And I'm sure you were I still adorable. Him. I have a feeling that you were. <laughs> I met him and I didn't really think much, much of it. Um, but then I started seeing him. I actually became a client of his and I started feeling like sexual feelings, like, like feelings that I hadn't felt in a really long time. Like, am I allowed to talk about this? <laughs> uh, this is what you're here for. Okay. Like, okay. So, so there are these, I these think it feelings. helps. I think it helps women to hear that they can feel this way without feeling okay. guilty. And we'll get into the guilt, but talk. So I hadn't felt any sort of sexual desire in a really long time. Um, so I remember feeling like almost like, I don't know if you've heard of the term widow fire. No. Oh, oh it's a term. It's, it's widow <laughs> fire. I didn't know what it was until like now. Like I was like, Oh, that's what I had. And I still have it, but it's basically, it's like, it's desire. It's like sexual desire that I hadn't felt in a really long time. And that was what I was feeling. And it was really confusing for me. Cause I was like, what, you know, like how, how can I, I hadn't been with anybody in, years in a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was like a really big awakening for me that like, yes, like this, you know, they say that women hit their sexual peak at 40. I, I would say, yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but, but, but in case anyone people, was wondering, it's most true. Most people, it is true. I said to Adam, oh, it is really is true. I can't believe it. Um, so I started feeling those feelings and I was like, whoa. And I, but I was mad at myself. I was yeah. mad. I was angry. How could I feel the way I feel? Mm -hmm. I'm being punished. I'm being punished for feeling like this. That was how I felt. And I remember going to a therapist someone I was seeing at the time. And she said, you know, this is a, a sign for you. And I was like, what, what's the sign? This is a sign that you are still a young sexual woman. And there is nothing wrong with that. And mm -hmm. I was like, thank you. Like I needed somebody to tell me that. Mm -hmm. That was that, like, these were actually normal feelings and right. like, it felt so good. But again, like you said, like there was mag, like, I was in such a strange 
situation because I was still grieving. Right. So it's like, whoa, okay, I have this massive grief. And then I have this sexual desire and then this, you know, now falling in love. And like, I think that a lot of people were like, you can't trust yourself. You cannot trust yourself. You're too vulnerable. You don't know what you're feeling. And I needed to go to all my friends and I needed this sense of approval and this, can I, is this okay? Do you approve? And it's like, first of all, nobody approved. (laughs) Nobody likes the idea. Oh yeah. You know, it's funny. The people closest to us are the ones we are naturally going to seek validation from, but the ones who are going to be most uncomfortable with our choices. And, and I hear this all the time from divorced women and experienced it myself. Like I never expected my best friends to have these opinions or to back away from me because of my choices, but it's, it makes people see their lives in a different lens and they don't like that. It's very often has nothing to do with you and everything to do with what they have going on. It's true. And it's a very, very hard part. And it's a very tough reality. And it's something that is not talked about. So I'm actually working on a workbook right now, which is for the woman who is like, wants to take those steps into moving into that next chapter. But like, I always say this, how do you know what you want? How do you know where you're going if you don't know what you want? Right. And now that I'm looking back on this whole scenario, I'm like, wow, okay, I can really, really help somebody with this because I, I see those steps and I know how to pinpoint it. And it really comes down to just asking yourself very simply, like, what do you want in your next chapter? Mm-hmm. Ask a lot of women that question and they have no fucking idea. Wait, 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 wait. Before we do anything, I have to ask, have you not joined the Moms Moving On membership community yet? This is the place I created for anybody looking for the benefits of coaching without having to commit to a high coaching fee. I've rounded up my go-to experts to put together curated content just for you, including free monthly webinars with me, self-confidence boosters, co-parenting tips and strategies, heartbreak advice, divorce anxiety relief, legal advice from top U.S. attorneys and mediators, financial advice, ebooks to help you on your journey, journal prompts and worksheets, discounts for all my favorite brands. The list goes on and on and on. And all of this at only $9.99 a month. Yep, you heard that right. $9.99 a month to be connected to women all over the world who are going through exactly what you're going through and to connect with me. Go to momsmovingon.com slash become a member and join us today. So did you, I don't know how soon you met your now husband after, and I suppose the timeline doesn't matter, but did you start out in this relationship with a sense of guilt? One million percent. So tell us about that. How did you work yourself through that guilt? I think that the guilt truly, like you said, the timeline does not matter. I think it could be one day after Jordan died or one year after Jordan died or 10 years. That guilt is still going to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, How did I work through it? 
Just focused on that animal attraction you had. <laughs> um, how did I work through the guilt? I mean, there was a lot of crying, mm-hmm. a lot of what I would say, you know, I think, I think truly Adam really helped me because he let me be that really psychotic, crazy widow, grieving widow who needed to be when I needed to be that. Mm-hmm. And he was like one of those people that was like, I know you're like really crazy right now, but, um, like, I'm not going to leave you. Like I'm, I'm here. Like I, oh, like, like, like I can take it sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that, that is how I get about once a month, about a week before my period. I mean, I Don't still, we all, sister. Yeah. yeah. And then you add in the grief though. And it's like, it's a next level of just cray. Um, so I think he was really helpful for me in that way. He just like really accepted it and stood by it and just let me be crazy and cry. So you worked through it. You were very fortunate to find a partner who understood your grief and what you were carrying. And yes. tell us about your two little girls and how this all blended and, and what that was like for them. So in the beginning, it was very, very quick for them. I had the girls in therapy six months before Jordan passed away. So, I mean, there, this is like a whole nother section. Um, but I mean, these kids are so resilient. They really liked Adam. Um, they did say, mom, you know, we think that this is, you already have a boyfriend. This is so soon. This is that they like had their words with me and, listen, like they, they were young, like, you know, Le- Leah was eight at the time. So, but she still said, I, I think it is too soon. I said, you know, I understand that. I understand how you may feel like that. Um, I think that they wanted more time of just me and them. And I, I really tried to do that for them. But um, the other day I was in the car with Leah I said, aren't you so happy that I found Adam? And she said, yeah, I really am. I said, could you imagine if, if we didn't have him in our lives? And she said, no. And he just took them to Disney. I mean, he's, he is an incredible father figure. They don't call him dad. They don't call him daddy and he doesn't expect them to. Um, But I do believe that having Adam in our lives and, like, I, I believe that they are better, stronger kids because of it. I agree. I think you got everything that you needed. And I, I completely believe in like divine intervention. I, in my head, I think your ex-husband was up there facilitating this because not only did you find the love you needed, your girls found the male uh, representation of what a good man is supposed to be as well. So that's amazing. I do want to just mention, so you just said my ex-husband. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm so used to it. This is a divorce podcast. No, I know. But do you know how many people say that to me? How many people? I'm I'm sorry. I feel like such an ass. I shouldn't have done that. No, don't feel like an ass. But it's important to like, to, to call it out because he, you know, I didn't have a choice. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you're, you're loving husband. I'm sorry. You know, when you're so used to like having the same conversation over and over about divorce and I probably say the word ex-husband about 600 times a day. I'm sure. But either way, I'm still nonetheless convinced that he had something to do in the happiness you have now because you radiate it. If you follow her blog or you follow her on Instagram, it's just this like power that is rooted in happiness and in love and in knowing that at the same time you overcame something so, so deeply difficult and traumatic. I love seeing women come out Mm -hmm. on the other side. And to our listeners, I know that this will be very inspiring for them as well. What are some words of inspiration you would give to a woman who is just now feeling brave enough to find love again after pain? Trust yourself. Trust yourself. And you learned that the hard you, way, didn't you? Yeah. And one thing that I want to mention is what happened was when I did meet Adam and when I did fall in love with him, the anxiety that I was having was not about my sadness or loss. Like that, or that's always going to be there. So that's always going to be there. The sadness, the grief, the loss, always going to be there. But that wasn't what was bringing me anxiety. Instead of feeling positive and happy feelings about this man that I had met that was incredible, everybody else instead of me trusting myself and getting opinions from everybody else, that was what was giving me anxiety. That was what made me lose weight. That was why I couldn't sleep at night. That was why I couldn't eat because I was more concerned about what everybody else thought about my decision to be dating him than my own freaking happiness. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but I'm so glad and you that's not good. that. Yeah. Thank you. And that, yeah. that's like my main message. Trust yourself. You know what's right deep down. We're big girls. Look at everything that we went through, everything that we're capable of. Look how far we've come. Yet we get put into a situation where we have butterflies in our stomach and we're like, oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. It's like, of course you know. Mm-hmm. You know your heart. You know yourself. You know your vagina. You know, you know what I mean? Like, you know. You're and amazing. It's, good. it's okay to know. And I think like that, that is my biggest thing. Like trust yourself, trust your heart. Everybody else does not know what's best for you. You know, what's best for you. Mm-hmm. So that's like my number one biggest thing. I love trust it. Trust yourself. I can't stress to you enough. Even if you have not experienced the death of a spouse, but just somebody who is trying to get back on her feet after pain, trying to move ahead, trying to change her perspective. I can't stress enough how much you need to follow Rachel. She's at guts and gloss, letter guts N, and right? Gloss, yes. Yeah. Um, guts and gloss. But, oh, sorry. It, it's a, and no, it's A N D guts so, and A-N-D. gloss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Instagram. I'll link TikTok it. Too. Oh, TikTok. Okay, perfect. I also have, I also have my, a private community on Facebook where I just, it's just for women to talk about this type of stuff. So this is not a grief group. I, I did not want to do that. We, we touch on it, but it's not, this is a group for women to come and get support for going into that next chapter. I do lives once a week in the group. 
it's just a really kind of nice sisterhood of women who are all looking to move forward in their life without having judgment from others and without feeling isolation. It is something that I wish I had. And so I am trying to create things right now for women that are things I wish I had during this whole journey. So you're literally speaking to my whole mission in life. Everything I do is based off of what I needed at the time. So I can totally relate. Everybody, thank you for listening. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. And if people want to get in touch with you, what is your email? Yes. So it's Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, guts, G-U-T-S, and gloss at gmail.com. Rachel, guts, and gloss at gmail.com. I bet you will find... Rachel to be as refreshing as I did. Everybody, thank you for being here. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.